Well, hey, Schweitzer Church, my name is Spencer and I'm the pastor here. It is good to join together um, in worship this morning. We're gonna continue our sermon series that we're calling Joy as we look at what the Bible teaches us about how to live into God's promise for joy. Really, no matter what our life may look like or our circumstances might look like, we can live in the promise of God's joy. Coming up in September, we'll have a church-wide study of the book of Colossians. We're calling this Jesus is Greater all kinds of ways for you to participate in this. And one of those would be to form a group. And so if you are in an existing group already in the church, or you'd like to form a new group, uh, we'll have an opportunity for you to form new groups. We've got a life group uh, training coming up, a way for you to join together with your friends, your family, anyone else you'd like to come together to join a group, whatever format that might fit your needs. But I want you to pay attention to that and have that on your radar for September as we start this big church-wide um, study of the book of Colossians. Also coming up in a few uh, weeks, we'll be having a, a blood drive at Schweitzer's. We're going to seek to partner with our community. There's a, a need for blood. And so if you would like to donate blood, uh, I encourage you to participate with us as we uh, give and share and, uh, and love our neighbors through, through the blood drive today. If you're watching with us live today, we encourage you to chat, uh, share your name, share hello with us as, as we worship together. If you have a prayer request, click the live prayer button and we have a host ready to pray with you today about whatever it is that might be going on in your life. As we come into worship today, let's sing, let's celebrate, let's pray, and let's give thanks to God for all that He has done for us. Let's worship. Oh 
worship your holy name. So as we come to prayer today, I've had this verse from Hebrews chapter 12 rattling around in my head. I want to share with you. The writer of Hebrews tells us to set aside um, everything that hinders us and to run with perseverance the race marked out for us. And then it says to fix our eyes on Jesus, the author and the perfecter of our faith who for the joy set before him, and that's the phrase that's really been captured in my mind, the joy set before him, he endured the cross, scorning its shame, and sat down at the right hand of the throne of God. And I, I think about the, the work that Jesus has done for us, and he did for the joy of being in a relationship with you. And so today as we come to, to pray, let's give thanks uh, for the work that Jesus has done, especially as we recognize that there's so many things that can grab our attention and, and steer our, our attention away from him. Today, let's focus in on Jesus, who for the joy set before him, did everything for you. Let's pray. And so God, today as we come to worship uh, with so many people in so many different places and in living rooms and and places all around our city and our our state and our world, uh, God, we thank you uh, for the work that you have done for us. And we do wanna confess that there are so many things that seem to grab our attention. There are things that uh, distract us and lead us astray. There are things that, that weigh heavy on our heart and cause us anxiety, which are definitely not the work that you have for us to do. And so today, um, as we worship, we wanna recenter our attention and our eyes back on to you because you have done everything for us. And so today we give thanks for the work of Jesus in our lives. We give thanks for the ways that we see you at work around us and in the world around us. And just for a moment in our own hearts and our own minds, maybe with our own voice, we just wanna lift up a prayer of thanksgiving for the ways that we have seen you at work in our life this week. And so Father, we thank you. We thank you, we thank you that you have not abandoned us, that you are beside us, that you are with us, that you are for us. And we know this because of the cross. We wanna pray for our community today. And there are so many in our community who might feel distracted or might feel they're being led in different directions or minds might be scattered all over the place. And God, we wanna pray for our community that, that folks in our community might find Christ. We wanna pray for our community, those who are sick, those who are anxious, those who are worried, Um, those who are without hope, that today would be a day where the work of Jesus begins to visit them in their life and they can recognize this. We thank you that you are using us as those Easter people, resurrected people, to bring hope and healing into this world. And God, we wanna follow you, we wanna fix our eyes on you because we know that you are good, you love us, and you have joy for us. And so as your children who are redeemed and called by your name, we wanna join together in the prayer that you taught us as we say, Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread and forgive us our trespasses as we forgive those who trespass against us. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us for evil. For thine is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever. Amen. So one of the great things that's happened over the course of the summer is that we have had a celebration of Vacation Bible School through block parties. Uh, different neighborhoods, different homes have hosted those, and we've wrapped those up this week. And I just want to celebrate and give thanks uh, to those who participated by making a, a place for our kids to encounter Jesus in, in a way that makes sense to them. So thank you to our host, um, families and, and, and leaders for doing that. Uh, today, as we continue worship, we do want to give because giving is part of worship. It's giving thanks to God for what He has done in our life. It's giving thanks that He has been generous to us for God's love of the world. Right, that he gave his one and only son. So in light of the generosity of God, I wanna encourage you to give as well. You can give uh, via the, our website. You can give um, by mailing a check, but we can participate in this together as we give to honor God and what he has done for us. I have lost my appetite And a is swelling up behind my eyes And if that were not enough 
They know tracks, the words to cut and tear and When they ask me, where's your God? Why are you downcast, oh my soul? Why so disturbed within me? I can Showed your face to me as a deer pants for water, so my soul thirsts for you. And when I survey your splendor, you so faithfully renewed like a bed of rest for my. I am satisfied in you When I'm looking at the crowd It's an in-breath feedback loop That brings me down So it's time to lift my brow And so disturbed within me I can remember when you showed your face to me as a deer pants for water so my soul thirsts for you and when I survey your splendor you so
All through this year, we have been telling the stories of people who are connected to Schweitzer. Uh, it's good to hear the diversity of ways that God is, is connecting and meeting with people as they encounter him through the work that we do together. And so today we're gonna share and listen to Rhonda's story. I volunteer at the food pantry um, every week and I'm also a part of the Life Change Program. I'm a mentor. So 10 years ago, I was going through a terrible divorce and my kids, I have two children, my kids and I moved in with my mom and dad, really because we couldn't stay in our home. And there was a woman who went to church with me at the time and she had just found out that she had pancreatic cancer and she was dying. And. My mom took me over to visit with her, me not knowing at all what this conversation was going to look like. And the woman's name is Jeanette. She also had been a single mom with two kids. And she, like I said, she knew she was dying. And she offered me her home. Her only request was, was that she wanted to live out her days there. Flash forward a few weeks, I thought about it and I just really didn't think at the time that it was something that I could do. <clears throat> I was hopeful that I could work out my marriage, that we could make things work and um, I just didn't feel like I was in a place to accept her gracious offer. So a little bit more time passed and my mom and dad were actually in Florida for about three weeks. And the entire time they were gone, I just prayed about what to do. I, Jeanette's offer was just in the back of my mind. And I literally just told God in prayer that I surrender. Tell me what you, what you think I should do. I went to my dad and I said, do you think that Jeanette will still offer me the house is it do you think the offer is still on the table and he said I don't know we'll just call her she said of course the offer is still there and we worked out the deal and she died two weeks later so it was almost as though she was waiting for me and it's probably one of the greatest gifts I've ever received um, just knowing that I had a place to go. You know, in the quiet moments of nighttime or, you know, when you're by yourself, um, God is the one. He, I could tell Him anything. If you just let go and you really do the work instead of just showing up to church, it's not just showing up to church, it's being involved, it's having a real open relationship with God and having real conversations that maybe you can't say to anyone else. He'll listen, he's there. My name is Rhonda Hine and this is just the beginning of my story. Welcome, I'm Pastor Jason. So glad you've joined us in worship today. Also, I'm really glad that we can be together as we continue our sermon series on joy. Last week, Pastor Spencer kicked us off with looking at Psalm 30, where the psalmist there talks about how joy comes to us in the morning. And Pastor Spencer really talks about where the source of joy is. Joy is something that is found in God. God is the source of joy. And God seeks to share joy with us. And so wherever we're at, each new day can be filled with the joy of the Lord. And joy meets us in the morning. Today, we're going to be taking a look at how joy meets us at noon, or sometimes joy can evade us at noon. So uh, I'd like to invite you to join with me in thinking about joy and thinking about what noon means to you. Now, for many of us, noon can be a great time of the day. 
it's a, a time where we can take a break from what we've been up to. We can seek some refreshment. Maybe we connect with friends over lunch. For several years, my father-in-law had a standing noontime in, invitation for lunch with one of his friends. And it was a time of great refreshment, a time of great joy where he could think about continuing the work that he had in front of him that day, but also refreshment for that week. Noon can be a great time of refreshing, but noon can also be a time where we we enter into a, a different kind of season. And noon isn't just about a time in the day, but it can be really reflective of the time of life that we're stepping into or we're part of. We find the life that we're living is, is taking place. Leeton Ford, a, a writer of the book, The Attentive Life, writes that for many of us, noon can be the hour of the noonday devil. And Jesus' experience on the cross, noon was that time, that moment where he quoted Psalm 22, my God, my God, why have you forsaken me? Noon can stand for a time or an hour of the day when there's a great kind of trial that takes place in life, where there's a temptation or maybe there's laziness or despair. Noon can stand for, can represent the middle of a person's life where you become aware that youth is fading and you begin to wonder what is out in the future. Noon or that season of life can also stand as a marker of, of a halfway point. Maybe it's a halfway point through college or a halfway point through a particular vocation or a halfway point through a particular project. And in the middle of that, the reality and the events, everything that's going on can just weigh you down. A year ago, my kids and I, we embarked upon the project of replacing the roof on our house. And we got about halfway through. And just to be real honest, halfway through, I was about done. I didn't know if I could continue on anymore. And so just for about a week, it was just silent at our house. Hammers didn't fly. We didn't tear any more shingles off. And I thought just for a few minutes, could I just put like a ridge cap on and just say I was done for the moment? Well, I couldn't, honestly. I learned all kinds of respect. And it was a great experience for our kids of creating and gaining and learning confidence. It was something that needed to be done. We needed to press through. But noon, that halfway point, was a time of great challenge in, in our own thinking, in our own progression forward. Have you, have you been there? Have you had that moment in life where the things that you're experiencing, you just want to say, I think I'm done? Especially right now in this season of COVID-19. Aren't there times, probably several times, I find myself at least saying several times in the day, I think I'm just done and I think I'm ready for whatever's new, for whatever the new normal is going to look like. But we stand and every day it seems like we're back to that moment where there's all kinds of things that are undone and it's hard to press on to a new future. Well, if you've got your scriptures with you, I'd like to invite you to take a look at Psalm 42 with me because I think we're going to find some help here, some encouragement and some of the realities that we face and we can just rest in this. As the deer longs for streams of water, so I long for you, O God. I thirst for God, the living God. Where can I go to stand before him? Day and night, I have only tears for food, while my enemies continually taunt me, saying, Where is this God of yours? My heart is breaking as I remember how it used to be. I walked among the crowds of worshipers, leading the great procession into the house of God, singing for joy and giving thanks amid the sound of a great celebration. Why am I discouraged? Why is my heart so sad? I will put my hope in God. I will praise him again, my Savior and my God. Now I am deeply discouraged, but I will remember you. Even from the distant Mount Hermon, the source of the Jordan, from the land of Mount Mizar, I hear the tumult of the raging seas as their waves and surging tides sweep over me. But each day the Lord pours his unfailing love upon me. And though each night, or, and through each night I sing his songs, praying to God who gives me life. O oh God, my rock, I cry. Why have you forgotten me? Why must I wander around in grief, oppressed by my enemies? Their taunts break my bones. They scoff. Where is this God of yours? Why am I discouraged? Why is my heart so sad? I will put my hope in God. I will praise him again, my Savior and my God. 
This psalm opens with an awesome picture, uh, a picture that comes to us from nature of deer that have been running hard through the wilderness or through the forest and finding themselves that they need a drink. There is a thirst that the psalmist begins to equate their own experience with, with that of a deer. As the deer longs for the water, the psalmist is saying, I find in my heart that I need to be refreshed Just as a deer is refreshed with water, the psalmist is saying, God is the source of life and I need to be refreshed by God. But as the psalmist is able to give voice to that, the psalmist also tells us that they're in despair because they're cut off from God. The thing that they long for, the thing that they desire, the thing that they find themselves needing is out of reach at this moment. And there's a number of things that the psalmist tells us about why it's, it's unreachable, why they have, if you will, a sense of noontime despair. The first thing that the psalmist tells us about is how they are far from the city of Jerusalem. The city is a place where they've, they've met with God. It's a place where God's presence has been known, where the psalmist has in the past led in worship. And there's something about that that has just brought great joy to the psalmist. And yet... All of those things that the psalmist writes about and tells us about is something that is a used to be in their life. At the moment, all of those things aren't happening. They're cut off. They can't get to Jerusalem. And the psalmist says, here is this desire in my heart, but I can't get to where I want to go. The psalmist also tells us about how the mountains and the seas are things that overwhelm them and rage right now as they look around, the things that they see in their environment are not leading them toward the place where they want to be, the place where they long to be. Even as the psalmist writes this, this word about how the seas rage and the mountains are all around, there's an echo in these words that, that takes us to what Jonah experienced as he sunk down in the ocean and he was encased by the big fish The circumstances of Jonah's world, as Jonah writes in chapter 2, were simply overwhelming. And he wondered, where do I go from here? And the psalmist writes this, this song about longing for God. He says, I long for God, and yet everything in my circumstances seems to be saying, even in the natural world, that you can't get to where you want to go. And then, if the natural circumstances aren't great enough, he writes about enemies. Instead of having friends or companions who encouraged the psalmist. The psalmist tells us that he's surrounded by people who taunt and who jest and who challenge his sense of faith and hope in what is real. And then finally, the psalmist alludes to this reality when he indicates that God is really silent. He has cried out to God. He's longed after God. And yet there is this feeling of being forgotten by God or this feeling of what... a knowing God's salvation is going to look like, and it doesn't come to fruition. And so the psalmist, in many ways, just like us from time to time, and maybe you right now in this moment, feels like he's been crying out to God, he's been searching for God, and, and there's something that is just missing. Sometimes we might say it's a noontime despair. But even as the psalmist writes about that which is a challenge in their own life, They also, the psalmist begins to describe ways that there are rays of hope and what the psalmist is going to do in this moment. The first thing that we see the psalmist writing about is he makes a confession or the psalmist writes a confession where they say, I'm thirsty. Thirst is a real thing. Longing for joy, longing to be close to God, longing for things to be put right is something that is really real. And the psalmist is longing for that which is really real. The psalmist knows that there are fake sources or fake um, replacements. But joy, true joy, comes from the Lord. And the psalmist is unmoved in settling for quick fixes or solutions from people who may be around him. The absence of real joy is far better for the psalmist than the substitutes, which are frauds. The psalmist, so the psalmist confesses, I'm thirsty, and I long for something that is really real. The second thing that the psalmist does is they recall or they remember. 
On one hand, remembering Jerusalem, thinking about the things that used to be, causes a sense of, of lament within the psalmist. On the, at the same time, remembering, remembering the joy of worship, remembering the joy of being with the Lord's people in Jerusalem, this sense of recalling of the songs that they used to sing, of the celebrations that were present there. These are ways in which the psalmist reminds themselves of the reality of God, the very presence of God, and that God has not always been distant. Circumstances have not always been overwhelming. There is hope in this season where we've gone through COVID. Have you paid attention to the kinds of songs you've been listening to? In my own life, I found myself going back and listening to a number of songs of faith that I listened to in the late teenage years of my life. Songs that just spoke deeply to me then, and now I find myself, myself listening to those things, and they, they take me back to places. They remind me of God's goodness, of God's presence. Uh, many of the songs I've been listening to, uh, I heard at a, at a music festival back in the day called Ichthus. And it wasn't just that it was a great music festival. There were lots of people and uh, there were all kinds of things associated with that. But deeply for me, what marked me in those times was that God was present and real. And when there are moments like we're in right now, I need to be reminded. I need to recall those times and places where God was real. So the psalmist says, I'm thirsty. The psalmist recalls and remembers where those places where God has been real to them. And then the psalmist talks about this sense of new resolve, where both in verse 5 and verse 11, he says, where is God? I don't exactly know at this moment, but here's what I'm going to do. I'm going to put hope in God. I'm going to praise him again. Just as I praised in the past, I'm going to praise again. This is a conversation that takes place in the heart of the psalmist. This is a conversation where the psalmist is saying, the circumstances around me don't look great, but I'm going to press on and I'm going to press forward. The fears of today, they're not going to overwhelm me, but I'm going to press in to trusting the Lord, taking a step of trust and faith and hoping in Him. This sense of hope isn't just a wish that the circumstances will change, but the psalmist is saying, I'm going to take some real action. Recently, I was talking with a friend and they mentioned uh, to me that for them, hoping and trusting in the Lord began to be expressed in their own life as they began to, to practice the act of tithing. Tithing was for them something that was rather foreign and life circumstances that they were living in seemed to say it was the last thing that they ought to be doing was giving away a tenth of their income. And yet... They heard this sense of hoping in the Lord and that hope required a sense of real action. And so they said, what more could we do than begin to practice the act of tithing? And so the act of giving has just given them a, an interesting look at how God has met their need, how God shows up in their life. And there is a growing encounter with God and a growing sense of joy. So the psalmist gives us this look into their own heart. They long for joy. They have this sense of recollection and then they take a real deep step and a real uh, clear action of faith, putting hope and trust in God. And they, they look for joy. Leighton Ford, in his book, The Attentive Life, describes not only these things that can mark us as, uh, as taking place at noon, but he's got some other things that he speaks to. He talks about how at noon, and maybe it's the noon of, of a longer period of life, there can be fatigue. And one of the things that we need to experience just to have joy again is we need to experience rest. And one of the things that I've just been challenged by recently is, is one of the Ten Commandments. And that is to take a Sabbath day because there's so much happening around us and the decisions have to be made so fast. And, and sometimes the decisions are coming almost on the hour. What are we going to do about this? Or what are we going to do about that? There are times where I just feel tired. And one of the promises I heard calling out to me is, you know, in this season of life, you need rest. You need to hear the sense, take a day and rest. Leighton Ford also talks about how apathy, apathy can bring us a sense of, of noonday disarray where there's a sense of laziness or maybe there's a great sadness or we just get into something that's a real 
um, a really long project and we find ourselves losing focus. He said, interestingly enough, the thing that we, we tend not to want to do when we become apathetic is work. And the thing that we need to do is just begin to take the next step forward to complete the next task, to step into that, that next stream. Sometimes he said we can find ourselves at the noonday in life because we're anxious about the day. We're anxious about everything that fa- faces us. And he points to a practice that, uh, that he embarked upon. He said, I try to start my day thinking first about the Lord, spending time in the early morning, spending time when you wake up, giving those first few moments of thought to the Lord. That's not finding out what's the news, what took place over the evening, but thinking on the Lord has been a way where he says, I am able to go through the midst of the day with a sense of joy. Also, he talks about a spirit of fear. And this can be something that's more, that's longer than just about anxiousness for the day. But this is about a sense of fear that I'm not going to measure up or I'm not going to get a big project done or deep fear. Like, I wonder if the world and the life that I've been living, I wonder if I'm I'm measuring up or fulfilling all that I was made to do. Uh, Leighton Ford <clears throat> says when he has this overriding sense of fear, he tries to take himself less seriously or find a way to celebrate or laugh at, at moments of his absent-mindedness or to really, in some ways, to begin to, to step back and take a look at joy of the humanity that we are. Uh, maybe for you or for me, it's... Um, the act of dancing. You know, you can laugh at yourself if you can dance, if you can dance some, or you let other people laugh at you because, well, maybe maybe you're a great dancer, but maybe you're not. And just the activity of dancing gives you a sense of release and enjoying life. And then Leighton Ford says, you know, sometimes we become down in the in the doldrums, we get in that sense of a noonday disarray because we have a wrong centeredness about life or there's not just a number of sins, but we actually encounter sin where we don't really trust God fully with all of life. And we haven't really received everything about life as a gift from God. And in this, in this way, he accounts or recounts the story of Harold Abrams, who was a friend and rival of Eric Liddell, who's famous for chariots of fire. And this rival and friend of Liddell, who was an Olympic runner, said at one point along the way, he said, I have 10 seconds to justify my existence. 10 seconds. And if he couldn't win the race or do the best that he could in 10 seconds, then joy was going to be missing. Friends, our existence is a very gift of God. And we are people who are created for joy. We're made for joy. And that sense of longing for joy that you and I have that comes to us in the morning and it comes to us in the noontime and it comes to us in the evening, we are people who made, are made to experience joy. And the psalmist tells us here, we will experience joy when we trust fully And we seek the Lord like the deer who pants for the water. Now the words of this psalm echo through the life of Jesus as he went to the cross. Because just as the psalmist could say at some place, I think I've been forgotten by God. Jesus at noon says, my God, my God, where are you at? Have you forsaken me? And soon after he cries those words, Just as the psalmist says, I'll put my hope in the Lord, Jesus says these words, into your hands I commit my spirit. There is a sense of total trust with Jesus. Because you see, Jesus sees that there isn't just life and death, but there's resurrection. And he has hope and trust in that whatever the journey he's on, the Lord is going to bring about resurrection. And when you and I, when we join our lives to the journey and to the life of Jesus, we begin to experience this reality, that whether it's in the morning and we find that joy is fresh and new, 
or we're in the midst of the circumstances of noon or we're late into the evening, that when we link our trust and our life to Jesus, he's with us and he himself will bring us joy. I invite you to join me in entering into a time of communion when we celebrate the reality that Christ is with us and our lives can be united to him. On the night in which Jesus was betrayed, he took bread and he blessed it and he broke it. And he said, this is my body given for you. And then after the supper, he took the cup and he blessed it and he gave it to his friends. And he said, this is a cup of a new covenant poured out for you, for many. This cup is for the forgiveness of your sins It's for the healing of our bodies. It's for the rejuvenating and the life-giving power to our souls. And so, as we come to this time of communion, of remembering what God has done, of thinking about where we're at, of hearing the promise for new joy, I invite you to enter in if you've got the elements there at your home. You may be wondering, Who can partake of this gift of God to us? Well, it's those who have faith, those who'd like to have faith, those who wish they had more faith. It's for everybody who thirsts for joy, who thirsts for God. And as we think about how we come to this table, there's oftentimes a place within the the tradition of the church where the church has made a confession Not that we necessarily trust our own understanding or we fully have everything worked out, but we know that there's a confession of faith that God will hear our hearts, he'll hear our faith, and he'll respond to us. So I invite you to say with me, what do we believe about Jesus? Christ has died, Christ has risen, and Christ will come again. So let's pray together. Kind Father, thank you for letting us be people who walk through this day and you journey with us. Thank you that whether it's in the morning or noon at night, you come alongside of us, you hear us out fully, and you make an offering to us of yourself. And so on this day, when we have the bread and the cup before us, we ask that you would pour out your Holy Spirit upon us, gathered in the places where we're at, And you would pour out your spirit upon the emblems and the elements that are present to us. Make them be for us, the body and the blood of Christ. And through his gift and your gift of grace to us, forgive us of our sins. Bind our hearts to your heart. Renew us in joy. Equip us to face the tasks that are before us. And give us the fullness of life and joy in Christ. In his name we pray, with the Holy Spirit to the Father. Amen. Friends, I invite you to take the bread that you have, giving thanks, either partake of it, you may want to dip it in the cup, and then partake. But let us receive the gift of God given for us. Who could imagine? 
so great a mercy what heart could fathom such boundless grace the god of ages stepped down from glory to wear my sin and bear my shame the cross has spoken i am forgiven the king of kings calls me his own beautiful savior i'm yours forever jesus christ my Thanks for joining us today in worship. Whether it was at 9 or 11.30, we are so glad that you've joined us. Or maybe you watched through the week. However it was, we're so glad that you've joined us. We pray that the Lord would just surround you with joy. We pray that you'd have hope in Him. And we pray that the, the Lord's joy would give you strength this week. The Lord be with you. Amen.